here's what I know about all dads in the house. Uh, those of us who are dads, no matter where we are in that parenting journey, we all want to be better. We all want to be better as dads. We all want to improve, or at least we'd say that there are areas where we want to get better as dads. This Father's Day, I want to look at an example with you of great parenting that we see in the Bible through a well-known perhaps the most well-known parable in all of Scripture, the most well-known parable taught by Jesus. Uh, parenting is God's idea. Parenting is God's idea, and we can learn a lot about God's plan for parenting through this story today. There's no better father than our Heavenly Father, so there's no greater example of parenting than God the Father. So I invite you to open up with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, open up or power up, and find the parable of the prodigal son. And if you're uh, viewing electronically today, you can choose your version. We're going to be reading from ESV today. Now, this chapter records three parables taught by Jesus. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the prodigal son. A parable is simply a fictional story used to illustrate a spiritual truth. Even if you don't have a strong church background, there's a high probability that you know the story of the prodigal son. Uh, and if it's brand new to you, that's okay too. We usually know the story from the viewpoint of the son. The word prodigal, the word prodigal means to be a wasteful, or reckless spender. Jesus tells the story of a man who has two sons. The younger son requests and receives his portion of the inheritance. The son moves away. He lives foolishly, wastefully, and recklessly. And what happens to the son? He loses everything. He actually becomes so hungry that he becomes envious of what the pigs eat. So the son realizes that his father's servants are living better off than he is, so he decides to go back and beg his dad, can I come back into the house, dad, and it, would it be okay if I'm your employee? Well, when the younger son returns home, the father runs to greet him and immediately calls for a great big party. And then the older son, he has his own little pity party saying, what about me? I do everything you tell me, and you've never had a party for me. Uh, by the way, it is Father's Day, and I'm preaching in a jean jacket today, so if you have a problem with it, get over it. It's my day. Thank you. Thank you. The parable of the prodigal son illustrates God's love for the spiritually lost. Through Jesus, we have the ability to have a restored relationship with God the Father, and it's available for all of us. The prodigal son deserves punishment, rejection, and consequences. What he receives is grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Because the Father in the story represents God, our Heavenly Father, he is perfect, he is without fault, therefore he's worthy of us imitating. That's where the father and the prodigal son story is different from us earthly dads. The prodigal son dad is, uh, in the story of the, the, pro the parable of the prodigal son, this dad is perfect. Dads in the room, we're not perfect, all right? 
No one ever asked us to be perfect. But we want to be better as dads. And so there's no better example than our Heavenly Father. So this morning I would like to look at six character qualities that we see in the father of the prodigal son parable. Six qualities that are worth imitating. We're talking about dads, but of course there's applications for moms and granddads. There's uh, application for those who want to be parents someday, for future parents. There's applications for parents of young children, for teenagers, even adult children. Wherever you are in the parenting status today, whenever we open up God's Word, it has something to say to each and every one of us. So here's my heart as we go through the parable of the prodigal son through the vantage point of the father today. It's not to make us uh, look back and feel miserable about, miserable about what's happened in the past. It's not for sons and daughters to take this and go to shove it in your dad's face and say, Dad, you should be doing all these things. Look how inadequate you are. It's about encouraging and challenging us as we look ahead. It's just as much for me as a dad as it is for anybody in this room. My prayer is that God will speak to our hearts and give us action steps to live out these qualities as a dad. We want to get better. We all want to get better. So let's start today in Luke chapter 15, verse 12. And the younger of them, this is the younger son, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he, the father, divided his property among them. <laughs> the younger son comes and demands his portion of the inheritance from the father. Asking dad for his inheritance while he's still alive, it was messed up then, and it's messed up today. The message that the son is sending the father is that you are better off to me dead than you are alive. Now the father does not react how you or I may react in the same situation. You might be thinking the question I thought, would you give anything to a child of any age who is essentially saying to you, Dad, you're better off to me dead than alive? And if you see that there's a rebellious streak, would you give anything if the evidence suggests that whatever you give is going to be spent foolishly? One of the most difficult places for a parent is when there is an adult son or daughter in the home and that son or daughter is destructive, hurtful, into bad habits, refuses to get help, perhaps even stealing or abusive to mom or dad. And we know that parents in that situation, maybe you've been there or you are there, you wrestle with things like, do I kick them out? Do I change the locks? Do I cut them off? Do I tell them that they can't live here and yet still provide financial support? You wrestle with, how do I live and lead my son or daughter out of this? Where do I protect and where do I allow them to experience the reality of some, some real-life consequences? Here's what we see in the parable of the prodigal son. The father allows the son to experience the consequences of his choice. The father allows the son to experience the consequences of his choice. The father allows the son to experience the consequences of broken relationship. What we know about our heavenly father, God is committed to free will. A pastor said the ultimate reason why God gives us freedom to wander is so that we have the freedom to choose him. 
God the Father desires for us to choose him, an uncoerced, unforced, genuine love choice. That's what our Heavenly Father desires from us. So as Jesus teaches the parable, he explains that the son took everything he had, had and where does he move? Does he move across the street? No, the word tells us, Jesus telling the story, says that the son moved far, far away. The son would then experience what it was like to have a severed relationship, a broken relationship with the father. Dad's not there in an emergency. And of course, in that time, there'd be no texting, there's no FaceTime, there's not even the Pony Express. There's no calling dad, dad, how do I do this? Dad, how do I fix this? Dad, could you come down and bail me out? As we think about our own background, maybe you'd say that you had to learn some things the hard way. I think we all have been there. We'd say, I learned that the hard way. Despite all the warnings, I went ahead and did it the way everyone told me not to. And we learned a lesson the hard way. And yet, as parents, we try to protect our kids from suffering any consequences. This can happen from toddler to teenager and beyond. Okay, you've been there, right, mom and dad? Don't do that. Please don't do that. Don't do that. It's dangerous. Don't do that or you're going to be sorry. Please don't do that. You're going to get hurt. If you do that, you're going to injure yourself, and I'm not going to feel bad for you. Take it from me. I did that, and I really regretted my choice. Stop now. And you went ahead and did it anyway. And now you're suffering the consequences. I told you I'm not going to feel bad for you. Okay, come give me a big hug. Luke chapter 15, verse 17. But when he, the son, came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? The son is now in deep. He's suffering the consequences of his choices. No money, no food. Envious of what the pigs are eating. And in this moment, the son identifies a character quality of the father describing how the servants are treated. We see that in this verse, the father lives generously. The father lives generously. We're told that the servants have not just enough, no, they have more than enough to eat. A child would know their parents' generosity out of ongoing observation. There could be a minimum that the father would have to provide to those who are his employees, to those who are his servants, those who are on the staff, to meet their needs. However, what the son observes is that the servants have more than enough. The servants have more than enough. The question for us as parents is, do our children, do they observe our generosity? Do they observe our generosity? And generosity may be better taught in what our children see us do for others than what they experience us doing for them. Generosity may be better taught in what our children see us doing for other people than what they experience us doing for them. We might say, of course I'm generous. Look at all the toys and the trips that we buy for our children. But our children, our sons and daughters, may not grasp it as generosity, thinking that's just what all parents do, and that's, what, that's how it goes. That's what is expected. And then 
Maybe this has been your story or the story of your adult children as they've grown up. Then they realize all the things that you did that were generous that they didn't appreciate as generous in the moment. When our children are younger or our grandchildren are younger, they may not be able to grasp the concept of generosity and what they see us do for them. They may be able to better grasp the concept of generosity and what they witness or they observe or even take part in us doing for other people. Luke chapter 15, verse 20. And he, the younger son, arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced and kissed him. The first expression of forgiveness and grace that we see in this father, it's not with words, it is with action specifically running toward the son, hugging the son, kissing the son. The father expresses his love physically. The father expresses his love physically. Now research would support the value of what the Bible teaches here. Children of all ages benefit from positive physical touch from their parents. Hugs, kisses, shoulder pats, high fives, head rubs, playful wrestling, tickle time. I want to tell you that I have two younger brothers, Mike and Phil. When we were kids, we had epic wrestle tickle time with my dad. I specifically remember one move that frequently occurred during wrestle tickle time. It was called the tickle torture. We would be pinned on the ground with our arms, so the arms would, one hand would be used to pin our arms above our head like this. One hand would pin our hand, and then the other hand would be used to tickle our underarms. I'm incredibly ticklish. This was torture. Now I understand it as an act of love. <laughs> we just got back yesterday from being with my parents. And uh, you know, we don't have too much wrestle tickle time anymore with dad. But I do know today there is still nothing like a hug from my father. There's nothing like a hug from my dad. I want to read a quote from Gary Chapman, author of Five Love Languages. Hugs, pats on the back, holding hands, and thoughtful touches on the arm, shoulder, or face they can all be ways to show excitement, concern, care, and love. Physical presence and accessibility are crucial. While neglect or abuse can be unforgivable and destructive, physical touch fosters a sense of security and belonging in any relationship, any relationship. I remember my uh, wife's grandfather who uh, went to be with the, this is, would be her uh, dad's father went to be with the Lord several years ago. That man would give you an amazing hug every time you see him. He'd always have just a little bit of whiskers, and he would hold you. He'd press his face close, and he'd give you a kiss on the cheek. I miss those hugs. I miss those hugs. There's one word in the next moment of the prodigal son parable that is incredibly challenging as I consider daily life with my own children, Savannah, Dahlia, Tucker, and Elsa. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best 
robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And the word that is challenging to me this morning is the word best. Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. The father wants his son to have the best. Now, in this story, this situation, a robe, a ring, and shoes, for someone who's suffering, these are not essentials. These are above, over and above extras. These are not needs. This is an over and above expression of love. The father gives the son his best. The father gives his son the best. To be best is to be ahead of the rest. Best is a comparison word. When we have options, we might say, this one is bad, this one is good, this one is better, and this one is best. So the question we ask ourselves this morning, are our sons and daughters receiving our best? I'm not thinking as much about do our kids have the best stuff. And parents, especially grandparents or great parents, you would say that kids have better stuff today than at any time in history. Kids have great stuff. I, I'm not sure that in most households that, that that's the problem. What I'm thinking about when it comes to giving our best, what's challenging to me as, our, as a dad, do, our, do we as families, do our families get the best of our time? Do, the family, do our families get the best of our attention? Do our children get the best of our engagement level? Or are they just getting what's left over after our work and other responsibilities are taken care of? When we think about giving our families our best, our kids our best, are we present physically but absent emotionally? When we think about a desire to give our kids our best, the way we structure our day may need to look a little different so that our kids can receive our best. What we say yes to and what we say no to may look different so that we can give our kids our best. You could make an argument that uh, for quality time, what our kids need is quality time. You might make an argument that what we need to give our children is our quantity of time. I would say that quality or quantity is not either or when it comes to giving our best. It's both and. Our kids, our families are healthiest when our children receive our best quality and best quantity of time. Verse 23, the father says, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate, celebrate. Celebrate means to stop, put uh, responsibilities aside. Let's have a feast. Let's have a party. The father values celebration. The father values celebration. As we're talking about qualities in the prodigal son parable that are worth imitating as parents, the father we see values celebration. Our kids will remember how we celebrate them, what we choose to celebrate, and actually what we choose not to celebrate. It's birthdays, but it's more than birthdays. Where we can miss it is when we overlook, dismiss, or downplay what our kids see worthy of celebration. Now sometimes, 
children believe that we should go to the dollar store, we should buy things, we should have ice cream and treats because they put one dirty sock into the hamper. And in your home, that may be something that is worth celebrating. What I'm really talking about this morning is when our kids have put their heart and their time into something, we express value by celebrating when they have given their best. Not necessarily whether they've won or lost, but whether they've given their best. The prodigal son parable illustrates the spiritual truth of God's forgiveness and grace, and in that moment, there is a celebration. As Christ-following parents, spiritual moments are worth celebrating. Do you know that what we celebrate with our kids is most likely to be remembered and even repeated? Celebration reinforces what's important. So when we talk about spiritual moments in our children's lives, when they make a decision to follow Christ, when they use their God-given gifts to serve others, when they see the positive outcome of prayer, when they achieve in Bible quiz, Royal Rangers, girls' ministries, when they invite or bring other kids to, to a youth group, these are events worth celebrating. Now one more, one more. Verse 28, but the older son was angry and refused to go in. He wouldn't go into the party. His father came out and entreated him. If you go way back to the beginning of Luke chapter 15, we learn about the audience that was there when Jesus taught these three parables, lost coin, lost sheep, parable of the prodigal son. And Jesus tells us who's in the audience. Sometimes when Jesus speaks, it's just his closest followers. Sometimes Jesus teaches in one-on-one -on -one moments. Other times Jesus teaches, and it's a very mixed crowd. He has everyone there from people who are his closest followers to his strongest opponents and everywhere, everyone in between. The cynics, the skeptical, the curious, they're all there. Luke tells us that when Jesus told these parables, the tax collectors and sinners were drawing near, Luke reports. That means they're pressing in. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. And, well, the tax collectors and sinners are drawing near. The Pharisees and the scribes were in the crowd, and uh, Luke actually tells us what their reaction was as Jesus was speaking. They were grumbling. They were grumbling. So Jesus has someone in mind when he describes the older son's reaction to his little brother's forgiveness, restoration, and the celebration. The older brother says, Dad, I serve you. Dad, in fact, I've never disobeyed you. And Dad, you've never even given me a young goat for a party with my friends. Yet your younger son, your younger son, blows all your money at the strip club, and he gets the fattened calf. What's up with that, Dad? What I'd like for us to see is the father's reaction to the older son's anger and refusal to celebrate. While the party is going on in the house, maybe it's a nice day and the, patio, the, the party is outside. While the, the party is going on, the father, dad comes out and entreats the older son. Entreat is to beg, to plead with, please, please come into the celebration. The parenting example here is that the father initiates difficult 
conversations. The father initiates difficult conversations. A father, the father initiates a difficult conversation even at an inconvenient time. If we were to think about this uh, parable in our mind and, and what the scene might look like, an incredible celebration is happening. An incredible celebration is happening, yet the father, as the celebration is going on, he sees that the older son is not involved. He's not participating. Now, we go to parties, we go to things with our kids, and um, when you have four, it's always like, okay, one, two, three, four. Yes, I'm listening to you, one, two, three, four. I don't, I, I'm not making eye contact, but I hear you saying, one, two, three, four. And then one's missing, where are they? You're listening. When, you know this, right? As a parent or grandparent, whenever you go to an event, a celebration, you're always looking for your kids. And so here we see an example of the, the father who perhaps is looking around the room. There may be 20, 30, 50, 100, 200 people there, yet the most important people that the father is looking for are his children. And he realizes that the older son isn't in the party. Hey, where is, where's my son? Where's my older son? Have you seen him? And then he notices that the son is not participating. And so the father leaves the party. We would say this is an inconvenient time. The father leaves the party and goes to his son. As dads, there may be moments when we would selfishly rather be somewhere else doing something else, but a child needs us. And in those moments, if we were to follow this example, the father initiates difficult conversations. And if you're taking notes, what you might want to add on to that is the father initiates difficult conversations even at inconvenient times. The parable of the prodigal son helps us understand God's love for the spiritually lost and also gives us a great parenting model. As I said in the beginning, my heart is not to make us look back and feel miserable about what's happened in the past. It's not for sons and daughters to look at this and say, look at how far you came up short. It's to be forward-looking, to be encouraging and challenging as we look ahead. And I said, as a dad, this is just as much for me. My prayer is that God has spoken to our hearts, giving us action steps to live out these qualities. We are challenged, we are inspired, and we are encouraged today to allow our kids to experience the consequences of their choices. We're encouraged and challenged today to model generosity, to embrace and to be close physically, to give our family our best, not our leftovers, to celebrate what we want repeated and what we want remembered, and to also initiate difficult conversations even at inconvenient times. Dads, we need you. We need you. The National Fatherhood Initiative, which as far as I can tell is, is not a Christ-centered organization, but still makes an amazing point. The National Fatherhood Initiative makes this statement on their website. Underlying many of society's most pressing challenges is a lack of father involvement in their children's lives. Dad, we want you to know that we're cheering for you. There can be a lot of emotions on Father's Day. Maybe you're thinking about the things the activities, the family fun that's planned for this summer, things that are perhaps even going to happen today. This Father's Day, you may be missing your dad. 
You maybe wish that you could have one more hug. You may be thinking about moments from the past. What I hope is that we're thinking about how we can be a better dad or better father figure in the present. Maybe you're thinking in two directions. Maybe you're thinking about relationship with your father and also the father relationship that you have with your children. Maybe this is a difficult day. We know this is a difficult day for some because there's a broken father-child relationship. Many of us would say that going through the pandemic, and it looks like we're near the finish line, living through the pandemic, what we've uh, realized is that there were some things in the past that seemed really, really important, and then they went away or things changed during the course of the last year, and we realized that there were some things that we were spending a lot of time on that they've gone away, and maybe they're not going to come back. And that's, you would say that's a good thing, that going through this has helped you to realize what's really important. Maybe there are things that you took for granted, and now they've, you've realized that they're very special, and you want to cling to them. It may be that there's a, a separation. We know that through the course of the last year plus, there would be many who haven't seen parents or grandparents, or grandparents you haven't seen children or grandchildren. And, and it's time that you took for granted, and you'd say, I'm not going to take that for granted anymore. And perhaps you're really, really looking forward to things that have happened in the past, but they're going to happen this year with new meaning because they didn't happen last summer. So here's what I want for us. Between today, Father's Day 2021, and Father's Day 2022, let's believe that this is going to be the best year for you as a dad. This is going to be the best year for you as a dad, that the best year for you as a dad was not in the past, that this is going to be the best year for you as a dad. And maybe you're going to pray that over a dad that you know in your life. Maybe it's your son who's a father. Maybe it's the father who lives next door. You're going to pray, I pr Father, may this be the best year of fatherhood for that parent. For my own parenting, God, may this be the best year of being a father to my kids. Praying for your sons, may this year be the best year of fatherhood for my son. For that dad who lives next door, and you can see that he's spinning all wheels, trying to keep up with all the pressure. You'd say, Father, I see the pressure that my neighbor dad is under. I can see all that he's trying to keep up with. Father, may this year be the best year of parenting for that father in my neighborhood. Let's believe for reconciliation. Let's believe for restored relationship. Let's believe for strengthening where there's been separation. Let's believe for maybe hard conversations that have been put off to happen so that healing can begin. Let's believe for great family moments, great father-son moments, great father-daughter moments. Let's believe that good will come from past difficult life situations. Let's believe for opportunities to model generosity. Let's hug more frequently. Show us, God, what it means to give our kids our best. Thank God for opportunities that we're going to have this year to celebrate and to celebrate our kids and our grandkids. 
It may be a disruption moment where you see something happening and you'd say, we need to celebrate that. I've got things to do, but you know what? They're going to wait. That return phone call, that return email, it's going to wait. Because I've seen a moment we're celebrating. Kids, let's get in the car. Let's go get some ice cream. We want to celebrate what has just happened here. Let's believe for great family moments. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us also when we have to have those difficult conversations. There can be those moments inside of us where it just feels inconvenient to have the difficult conversation. Let's believe that this year, instead of putting it off, we're going to be prompted by the Holy Spirit to say something to our kids, even when it's at an inconvenient time. Let me ask this of us as we get ready to worship and, and leave this place. All the dads in the room, would you just stand with me right now? All the dads in this room. Let's cheer for these dads. Dad, we love you. Dad, we love you. We're not perfect, but our Heavenly Father is perfect. We are, we are always going to come up short as dads in some way. But where we come up short as, our heaven, as, as earthly dads, our Heavenly Father is fully capable. And praise God, we don't have to do this alone. We have our Heavenly Father who is with us and for us and showing us the way. And as I look at each and every one of you this morning, I stand with you, believing that no matter what it means for us in our own families, let's make this the best year, Dad, the best year of fathering that we've ever experienced. Praise God.